TheYeshiva.net. Klal Yisrael, the Jewish people, are ready for Geula, are anticipating Geula, praying for Geula, asking for Geula, craving for Geula, especially this last year, which shook up literally the whole world. A tiny little virus the size of 125 nanometers brought seven and a half billion people to its knees and affected literally every single human being living on this planet in one way or another. Created a whole new openness, a vulnerability, an awareness, a search for truth, for meaning, for, for purpose, for emes, for gula. The last few days... The Jewish people have been shaken to its core, to our core, with the devastating news that came in the midst of the celebrations of Lag Ba'aymer in the holy resting place of Reb Shimon ben Yechai, 45 precious souls, sweetest and the best and the holiest, crushed to death in Miran. It's a very powerful time now of, of unity, we're all vulnerable, we're all feeling very connected, we're feeling a lot of pain, we're open, we're united. And uh, at such moments, a deeper consciousness envelops the Jewish people in the world. Not that explains or rationalizes tragedies which are completely beyond us, but one that just opens us up to a deeper part in each of us and in all of us together as one collective. As Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai says in Medrash Rabbim, Vayikra, Parsha Dalad, and Amichilta de Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai in Parsha Yisra, that when one Jew is struck, everybody feels it because it's keguf echad v'nefesh achas, one body and one soul. So the hisairis, the focus on geula, on emuna, is now in full intensity. The question is, what is Gul? What is Mashiach? The Rambam, who was considered one of the greatest, if not the greatest, halachicist and codifier in the history of Judaism. The Rambam was born in the year 1135, approximately 1135, passed away 70 years later, 1205, on Chav The Rambam, of course, was born in Cordova in, in Spain and then escaped escaped ultimately arriving in Morocco, Fez, escaped to Eretz Yisrael, and then left to Egypt. And that's where he lived for the remainder of his life and produced some of his greatest works, including the one that we're going to focus on today, Mishnah Teriyad HaChazaka, passed away 1205 or 1204, December 1204, according to most accounts, Chav Tevis, the 20th of Tevis, and is buried in Tveria. And the Rambam's unique Mishnah Torah encompasses all halachas of the whole Yiddishkeit, where Shulchan Aruch and other codes of law focus on things that are applicable today, the Rambam was unique that his halachic work compiles what you could say the totality of Yiddishkeit, the totality of halacha, the totality of Jewish law. I'm not talking about history and uh, homiletics and explanations of the Tanakh and Midrashim and Kabbalah, but in terms of halacha, the Rambam Sefer encompasses every single mitzvah of the 630 mitzvahs, every single mitzvah of the rabbinic mitzvahs and traditions instituted till the end of the Gemara, 
In other words, all of halacha is completely contained there. As the Rambam writes in his introduction, I'm calling it Mishnah Torah. My book is a second to Torah because if you learn Tanakh, Torah Shebeksav, you learn my Sefer, you don't need any other Sefer. Of course, as I said once, God sends a humor that there's no book that <laughs> invited so many commentaries and mefarshim and explanations as the Mishnah Torah of the Rambam. But that's God's unique sense of humor. The Rambam says you don't need any other book. We'll see how many Svarim were authored on the Rambam. Till today, Svarim constantly come out on the Rambam. What we're going to be focused here is, as the title, what is Mashiach? What is Geula? What do we believe in? Why do we want it? Why do we hope for it? What is it that we're hoping for? And many people think they have a... Well, we all know Mashiach, it's going to be good, everything will be good, and tragedies will cease, and and uh, people have money and blessings and life and health and all good things, which is wonderful and true and authentic. But the Rambam actually has a very powerful and revolutionary perspective on what Mashiach is, different than what some of us understand about what is Mashiach, which really gives it a whole new depth and sophistication, I would say, and I'm choosing that word carefully, about understanding and appreciating and viscerally experiencing and awaiting this very reality that we await every day, every moment, as we say in davening, every day, three times a day, we await your salvation all day. This is what we're going to be learning, beginning with this Sunday, and continuing for a few weeks, Sunday, 10 a.m. You're welcome to join us as you're here this week, or you're watching the replay Welcome to join us every Sunday the next few weeks, 10 o'clock a.m., whether you're joining us through Zoom. I see we have a large crowd on Zoom, or you're joining us via the other forms, theyeshiva.net, which is streaming it, and the other, the other websites that I'm very thankful for who are all streaming it. Today's class is also dedicated in loving memory of my dear father, whose 16th yard site is today, the 20th day of year. Reb Gershon Daiv Ber, Bereb Simen, Zechreinam Levracha, Tahei Nishmasei Tzrura, B'Tzreir Hachayim. I guess I should add, my father was a newspaper man. Most of his life, I guess all of his life, his career was in the newspaper business. He was a, uh, he worked as the front page editor of the Yiddish Daily, which is long gone, the Togmargen Journal, the Day Morning Journal. Some of your fathers and mothers and grandparents swore by these Yiddish newspapers. This was their ticket to American life. And uh, he worked for many other newspapers. He was correspondent for Yidiyot Achronot, Israel's largest daily in the United Nations. And then 72, the year I was born, he founded with some colleagues a Yiddish weekly called the Algebener Journal. And uh, over the years, I saw and heard this myself, Sometimes when the Lubavitcher Rebbe would meet my father, he would say, as the Alter Rebbe had gesagt, as Bashiach v'chtein in the Gazetten, the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya once said, that Mashiach's coming is going to be printed in all the newspapers. Gazetten in Russian is newspapers. So the Alter Rebbe in the 1700s said that Mashiach is going to be, it's going to be written in the newspapers. So he said, as a newspaper man, get ready to publicize the coming of Mashiach in the Gazette and in the newspapers. So this Shia is dedicated in his loving memory and Le'elu Nishmas. Let's begin with the Rambam. 
and a few words about uh, what we're going to be learning now. The Rambam's Sefer Mishnah Torah, as some of you know, is divided into 14 sections. In other words, he had to, today, you know, it's not so difficult with all the books that we have, but the Rambam was completely original. And without Google, and without any other uh, or all of the other amazing uh, compilations that we have today, had to take the totality of Torah literature and compartmentalize it, that's not the right word, and categorize it in sections to be able to make it applicable to every single Jew, as he writes in his introduction, Kekotim Kegadal, young and old. And he decided in his expansive, unique mind, historic mind, that halacha can be categorized into 14 categories. And those became the 14 svarim, the 14 books of Yad HaChazaka, the strong arm, as the Sefer is known. The Ramah Yad is, of course, 14. His name is Mishnah Torah. came to be known as Yad HaChazaka, the strong arm of the Rambam. 14. Mada Ava Zmanim Noshim, Kedusha Hafla, Zroyim, Avoide Karbonis, Tara Nezikim, Kenyan, Mishpotim, Shaiftim. The last one is the book of Judges. You want an English translation. Mada is the basic ethics and foundational beliefs of Judaism. Ava is love. Zmanim, times. Noshim is everything connected to relationships, marriages, etc. The marriage, divorce, levered marriages. Then you have Kedusha, sanctity. Hafla are uh, verbal commitments. Agriculture, service in the Besamiktosh, sacrifices, civil damages, acquisition, civil law, and the last book is Judges, Shoftim. Now, in Shoftim, the last Sefer, the last section, each book has many sections, right? For example, Ahava will have the laws of Kriyashma, and the laws of Davening, and the laws of priestly blessings, and the laws of Tfilin. So the last book, Shoftim, the, has, for example, the laws of Sanhedrin, the laws of judges and others, but the last one is Hilchus Malachim, the laws of kings. And that's divided into 12 chapters. As you know, the Ram had 14 books. Within each book, there's many categories. And within each category, there's many chapters. And within each chapter, there's many paragraphs called Halachas. The la- last two chapters of Hilchus Malachim, the laws of kings, which deals with all the laws of leadership in Judaism, the laws of royalty, aristocracy, kingship, how to run a country, the, the, the dictates, the laws that dictate the behavior of the king and the discipline of the king and the morality of the king. As you know, one of the revolutions of Yiddishkeit, of Judaism, was that there's nobody above the law. In other words, that the prophet can speak truth to power. Even Moshe Rabbeinu and even the greatest kings who ruled over everybody with an iron fist, nobody was above the law. That's why when Nasan Hanavi, Nathan, comes into David HaMelech and reprimands him for what he did. Instead of going out with a head shorter, as would happen with many other kings, David says, I sent. Because the key, one of the key ideas of Torah is that nobody is above the law. So Hilchis Malachim deals with the laws of kings. The last two chapters, 11 and 12, deal with Mashiach and Geula. We want to focus today on chapter 11 of the Rambam. Let's begin inside. If you have the source sheets open, great. If not, you can go to theyeshiva.net, T-H-E-Y-E-S-H-I-V-A.net. And on the homepage, you'll see the first video, What is Mashiach? The Rambam's View, Part 1. On the top right is View Source Sheets. You can open that up. Or below the video, there's Downloads. You can download the source sheets so you can print it out or download it on your computer as you wish. So open up your source sheets because this is going to be text. And you see the front page 
the front page. Um, let's go to page front page. Chidushim Abiyurim Behilchis Malachim. Let's go to page two. Scroll down, open your source sheets. We're going to the number, the page that's numbered two. It's not page two, but it's number two. Perik Achad Aser, eleventh chapter of Rambam, Hilchos Melach. Let's begin to learn inside. Now, as we learn this Rambam inside, we are going to be Be'ezer Hashem learning and dissecting this Rambam in great depth and in great detail. But I want you to appreciate when we already learned the Rambam now for the first time, how a Rambam has to be dissected and learned. We know a few things about the Rambam. Number one, every word was meticulous and precise. There's no just flowery expressions, superfluous and excessive phraseology and terms. The Rambam is extremely precise, number one. Number two, the Rambam is exceptionally organized. One of the most organized thinker in the 4,000 years of Jewish history. You could see it in every single one of his works, his philosophical works, his halachic works, his commentary on Mishnah, his Mishnah Torah on halacha, his guide for the perplexed, his books on medicine and anatomy and herbs, any book that he remember wrote, his book on, on language, linguistics, his Sefer HaMitzvahs. The Rambam's unique sensitivity to say their structure and organization was, was remarkable. Remarkable. Number three about the Rambam. This Sefer is a book of halacha, not a book of stories. It's not a book of explanations of ideas, even important ideas. It's a book of Jewish law. That's what he says in his introduction. There's a Sefer halachas, halachas, beloshen, brurok, tzorah, in concise and clear and brief language. That's another thing we have to remember about the Rambam. Take all of this into consideration when we're learning the Rambam so that you will appreciate how we have to analyze these words of the Rambam and how our analysis is going to bring us to understand what the Rambam is teaching us. What is Mashiach? What is Gu'ula? What are we believing in? Why do we want it? Why do we crave it? Why do we anticipate it? Okay, enough for the introduction. Let's start. Halacha Aleph. Zogdi Rambam, HaMelech HaMashiach, Osid Lamoid Ulahachzir Malchus David Liyashtol Bamshel HaRishayna. The Melech HaMashiach means the king who we know as Mashiach, which literally means anointed one, is going to rise up and restore the kingdom of David HaMelech back to its original sovereignty. Liyashna means to the way it was in the days of yore, to its original sovereignty, the original Malchus of the dynasty, which begins with David HaMelech, who begins the dynasty known as the Davidic dynasty, Malchus based David, Mashiach is going to restore that. Mashiach will build the base HaMikdash, he will gather all of the scattered, of the, the scattered ones of Israel, the Jewish people scattered around the world, he will bring them to Israel. All of the mishpatim, literally the laws of Torah, will return in his days they, the way they were once upon a time. Specifically, makriven karbonus, the Jewish people are going to offer all the offerings. They will perform the mitzvah of Shemitah, the sabbatical year, Shemitah, the sabbatical year laws, actually next year. 
Yoivl is the laws of Jubilee according to all the mitzvahs, all the commandments that are specified in Torah. First statement of the Rambam describing what Mashiach will do and accomplish. And any person who does not believe in him, in Mashiach's coming, quite intense words, or somebody who may believe in him, but he doesn't await his coming, he doesn't look forward, he doesn't anticipate, he's not interested. in Yiddish. He doesn't await, we say the expression in Animamin, right? I await him every day. Somebody doesn't await his coming. It's not only that he is denying all of the other prophets, but he's also denying the Torah and Moshe Rabbeinu. Why? I understand why he's denying the prophets, because the prophets, if you read through the Tanakh, predict in many prophecies that Mashiach is going to come. So by me not believing in it, I'm denying the prophets. But the Rambam says, no, he's also denying Torah and Moshe Rabbeinu. Should I have Torah Yidolof? Because the Torah, Torah means the Chamish Chumsh Torah, the Pentateuch, the five books, the Chumash, testifies about him. Shenema, the Pasuk, says the famous Pesukim and Barshas Nitzavah. Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to the Jewish people the last, day of his, of his, the last days of his life. And he predicts, he says, V'shav Hashem Alekecha Shvuzcha V'richamecha V'shaviki Betzcha V'goyim. Hashem will return your captivity, will have compassion on you, and he will return you and gather you from all the nations. And he continues the next Pesach. Even if you will have those who are forlorn and scattered, at the end of the heavens, God will bring you back from there and bring you back to the great land. Now I have to say in parentheses, just parenthesis just came into my mind. I once saw a beautiful vart from the Belzer of Reb Adam Belzer, He said, So literally it means if you'll have a Jew who's scattered and forlorn at the edge of the heavens, at the edge of the heavens. In other words, some fahakta place that nobody ever heard of. The Rebbeinu Shalom is not going to let him or her be lost forever. They're going to be gathered back. So he explained and he said, homiletically, of course, from there, in every single Jew, no matter who, there's something called Hashamayim. A little edge, a little tip, a little tiny particle of heaven. In every Jew, there's Ktsei Hashamayim, there's Abyssal Himlishkeit. Misham, from there, Yekabetzra. Mashiach is going to retrieve that, reveal that, accentuate that, and he or she will return. Okay, that was just parenthetical. So the Rambam in Parshish Ditzav, in Parshish Rambam says, the Torah testifies about the Gula. Moshe Rabbeinu testified that there's going to be a time that every single Jew will be brought back. Back to Israel, this is Gula. So Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu, speak about the Gula. So if I, Khalila, don't believe in it, the Rambam says, and he adds, oh, I don't wait for it. I'm not only denying the Nevi'im, I'm denying the Torah and Moshe Rabbeinu. The Ramam continues. Don't think it's only Parshas Netzavim. I have another source. After now you should be asking a good question, right? Those who are thinking should be asking a good question. I will get to the questions. After Parshas Bilam Nemar. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
My son sitting near me <laughs> told me I forgot a few. That I did. Okay, right. And these words that are explicit in Torah, they encompass all of the words said about Mashiach through all the prophets. These words that we just quoted from Parshish Nitzavim, you should know the Ramam says, their koila, they include all the words that were said by the Nevi'im. Now, Nevi'im has a lot about Mashiach and Gaul, a lot, as the Ramam is soon going to say. But all of their words are included in this posseh, in these two psukim. Now you're thinking, why does the Ramam have to add this? Good question, great question. Like, okay, very nice. Like, like, the Ramam is not a commentary on Tanakh or on Chumash or showing the parallels between Chumash and Nevi'im. The Ramam is a book of Allah. All good questions. He continues, Also in the portion of Bilam, in the story and portion of Bilam, which is in Parshas Bolak. So the Ramam now takes us from Sefer Dvarim back to Sefer Bamidbar. Good question, why does he change the order? He started with Nitzav, and now he goes back to the book from Deuteronomy, he goes back to the book of Numbers, chapter 24, Bolak Perich of Dalit, where you have the story of Bolak hiring, renting the prophet Bilam to come curse the Jewish people. And Balak is determined to pay Bilam any price he wants just to curse the people. And Bilam prophesizes once and twice and three times. And the fourth time, Bilam gives us the prophecies of Mashiach. Av Beparshas Bilam Nemar. Reference to Mashiach is also in the portion of Bilam Visham Niba Bishnea Mashiach. And over there in the portion of Bilam, he actually prophesizes about two Mashiachs. Two leaders anointed by Hashem. The first Mashiach, the first anointed one, is David, who saved the Jewish people from the hand of their oppressors. And also about the final Mashiach, who will stand up as one of the descendants of David, who will save the Jewish people at the end of history. So Parshas Bilam, we have a prophecy about two Mashiachs, David HaMelech and his descendant, Mashiach, who's going to save the Jewish people at the end. And the Rambam now goes through the prophecy of Bilam about Mashiach, showing the two Mashiachs. And he's quoting now two psukim of Bilam with four different references. And the Rambam now gets very specific in how to understand this prophecy of Bilam. And the Rambam begins, V'sham hu oimer. Over there in Parshas Bilam, this is Balak Perik of Dalit Pasakit Zayat. Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. Bilam says, Er enu I see it, but not now. Ashurenu karayf. I behold it, I observe it, but it's not near. Says the Rambam, Er enu David. Ashurenu I see it, but not now. He's referring to David, the first Mashiach. I behold it, but it's not close. He's referring to the second Mashiach, Melech HaMashiach. Next, he continues, Bilam continues, A star will shoot forth from Jacob, and a scepter will rise from Yisrael. The star that shoots forth from Yaakov, the Koychav, that's David. The scepter that arises from Yisrael is a Melech HaMashiach. Bilam continues. He will crush 
the brow of Mayav, the princesses of Mayav, and uproot all the descendants of Sheth, Sheth, Seth, the son of Adam. Says the Ram, He will crush and conquer the brow, the leaders, the nobles of Mayav. This refers to Dov. I'm not prove it to you. The Pasik says in Shmuel Beis Perik Chaz, Vayaches Mayav, Vayimadadem Bechevel. David struck down Mayav and he measured them. Those he captured, he measured them with ropes. As Chazal tell us, that they were the ones who murdered his father and his mother and all of his brothers, or most of his brothers. So he measured them with ropes. Some of them he kept alive, some of them not. Ooh, so Machatz Pase Mayav. He's referring to David. We have a clear history that David conquered the nation of Mayav. And he will uproot all the descendants of Sheth, which means all of humanity will be transformed. The same prophecy that speaks about a poor man who will be riding on a donkey. The next verse. His rule will go from sea to sea, which means it will be global. All the Bnei Sheis will be transformed. So Bilam speaks about David and Mashiach. The Ramam now gets to the last statement of Bilam's prophecy in terms of Mashiach. V'hoya Edom Yeresha, Zedavid. Edom will be a possession. This refers to David. Edom David Lavadim. The Tanakh says in Shmuel Beis Perichas that Edom became servants of David. The nation of Edom was conquered. V'hoya Yeresha V'goymer. Bilam continues that Seir will be a possession. Zemelech HaMashiach. David never conquered the country, the land of Seir. Shenema. By Mashiach it says in Evadia, we say it every day. For Olu Moishim Behar Tzioin Lishpoit Es Har Eizov. For Hoiso Lashem Hamlucha. Saviors will ascend the Mount of Tzioin. Lishpoit to judge. For Olu Moishim Behar Lishpoit Es Har Eizov. To judge the mountain of Eizov. Eizov lived in Seir. And kingship will be to Hashem, which means the oneness of God will be revealed in the whole world. So the Rambam says, the first half is David. This is Melech HaMashiach. Halacha Aleph is finished in the Rambam. So what did the Rambam say? If you deny, after telling us what Mashiach is going to do, he said, if you deny Mashiach, you're not only denying the Nevi'im, you're denying Torah Ma'ish Rabbeinu, because Torah testified, V'shav Hashem And this includes everything from the prophets. And then the Ramam says, and go back to Bilam, and you'll see. You have there also a prophecy, not just about Mashiach, about two Mashiachs. David and Mashiach, and he goes through four prophecies of Bilam and shows that they are to be divided, the first half about David, the second half about Mashiach. Now you should be asking a lot of questions about this Rambam. Even if I need all these details, where does David HaMelech come into the Rambam who's supposed to interpret? Is not just that giving me, Rambam is not Rashi on Parshas Bolak. Good questions. Bayes. The Rambam says, we're not finished yet. <laughs> I want to now come, I want you to come on with me on a journey to Parsha Shoftim. So we went from Nitzavim, the end of Torah, we went backwards to Bamidbar. And now we're going to Parsha Shoftim. Av biyare miklot When it comes to the are miklot, the cities of refuge, the Torah commands in Parsha's Masai and in Parsha's Veschanan. And here again, 
that when the Jewish people settle Eretz Yisrael and already before, they should separate and designate six cities in order to serve as cities of refuge, that if somebody if somebody murder if somebody kills somebody inadvertently, Bashaigik, they can run away into those cities of refuge, Aribiklot. And there were basically six of them. Moshe Rabbeinu already separated three of them on the Transjordan before they went into Eretz Yisrael. And then later they separated another three in Eretz Yisrael. Comes the Ramam and says, Av Miklatoin, when it comes to the cities of refuge, the Torah says, If Hashem will broaden and expand your borders, you should add another three cities of refuge altogether, nine. Says the Rambam, you know, this never happened. Hashem gave a commandment to the Jewish people. When God will expand your borders, you'll add, you should add another three cities. Never happened. Hashem didn't make a mitzvah in vain, tell you, for no reason, purposeless, futile. So what does this mean? This means there's going to be a time that your borders will be expanded, and then you'll add three cities. That's what he says, when Hashem expands your borders, but this never happened. So you could say it's just a theoretical mitzvah that will never happen. He says, Hashem doesn't make a tzivah you in vain. This is a third source that the Torah, Parsha Shoftim, teaches us about Geula. Avali says, this is all chumash. In the words of the Nevi'im, I don't need to bring proofs because all the books of the Nevi'im are filled with this theme. In Chumash, he brought three proofs. In the Nevi'im, we don't have to bring Rayas. Whichever novel you look at, read through the Nevuah and you'll see they're filled and saturated, overflowing with prophecies about the Gula and Mashiach. The Rambam continues Halacha Gimel. Now, the truth is, Halacha Aleph and Beis have so many questions that we ought to ask to understand what the Rambam is really teaching us here. Because based on the principles of the Rambam that I articulated in the beginning of the Shir, there's so many issues that we should be raising here now that we're going to be dealing with. But the enigma becomes more powerful as we continue the Rambam. So that this whole chapter is really filled with questions like the seeds of a pomegranate. But then, when we will be able to uncover the core of the Rambam's perspective, everything will fall back into place, Hashem, like a jigsaw puzzle. And then you'll see that there's nothing that the Rambam could have said different if he wanted to make the point that he's making. Because at the surface, there's so many questions there about how the Rambam does it? Even just the technical question of why the first two proofs come in one halacha, the third proof comes in a second halacha, and many more as we will soon see. But let's go further. Gimel. Don't think Don't think that Mashiach has to perform wonders and miracles, has to invent new things in the world, has to resurrect the dead or similar tremendous miraculous feats. It's not true. How do you know? Maybe it is. Rabbi Akiva, who lived 
in the first century and the second century after the Common Era. He lived during the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash and the following century, the following decades after the destruction, was a great sage from the sages of the Mishnah. And he was a supporter who carried the vessels of the king Ben Kuziva, known as Bar Koichva, Shimon Ben Kuziva, who staged a revolt against Rome approximately 60 years after the destruction of the second Beis Hamid. Beis Hamid was destroyed in the year 70, 68, 69, or 70. And around 60 years afterwards, 130 after the Common Era, 132, Ben Koichva, Shimon Ben Kuziva, nominated himself as a king to stage a revolt against Rome, wanted to rebuild the Beis Amikdash, the third Beis Amikdash, gather back the Jewish people, get rid of Roman tyranny, restore Jewish sovereignty. And Rabbi Akiva was his supporter. Rabbi Akiva said on Ben Kuziva that he is Mashiach. He is the anointed one sent by the Rabbi Nishalayim to liberate the Jewish people 60 years after the destruction. Remember, after the first Chorban, 70 years later, they came back to Eretz Yisrael. After the second Chorban, 65 years later, it's time to come back. And you know, for a few years, Bar was very successful. Oh, did he cause harm to Rome? Terrible shame and defeat. And he and all the sages of his generation considered Bar to be Mashiach. Achenerek Bahavainas. Until Ben Koichva, Ben Kuziva was killed through sins, as a result of sins. Once Bar Koichva was killed, they realized that he's not Mashiach. Now here is the Rambam's proof. None of the sages asked of him to do a wonder or to do a miracle. So what do we see from here? Rabbi Akiva was a great Chacham. He certainly knew the halachas of Mashiach. If part of Mashiach's role is that he has to perform miracles, why didn't he demand, and his colleagues, why didn't they demand from Ben Kuziva to perform miracles? The answer, of course, is that Mashiach doesn't have to perform miracles. If he performs a miracle, fine. He doesn't have to resurrect the dead. He doesn't have to change things in the world that define nature, doesn't have to invent new things. That's why they can, Jews, who were not just loyal to Torah, but they were the embodiment of Torah, Rabbi Akiva, Chacham Gadol, can really believe that Ben Kaichu was Mashiach, even though it turned out that he was not Mashiach. But the very fact that they could entertain that thought is because Mashiach does not have to perform miracles. And the Rambam now adds something. The fundamental idea is this. Our Torah. Its statues and its laws are eternal. We don't add to these laws and we don't diminish, we don't subtract from these laws. We don't take away from these laws. Good question. What's the connection? He said, Mashiach doesn't have to do a miracle. He said, by the way, I want to tell you the laws of Torah are eternal. What's the connection? Excellent question. Okay. Derived, by the way, argues here on the Rambam. Derive it. We're going to get to that in the future shiurim. Derive it here. Criticizes the Rambam very heavily. It's not true, he says. Absolutely, they wanted from Ben Koichva something far more impressive. Just to note. Halacha dalit. V'im. So what's the result of all of this comes the Rambam? All, every halacha is intertwined with another halacha. There's a sequence here. There's a narrative that the Rambam is developing. Therefore, v'im yamayid melech mebeiz davut. If a king from the house of David stands up, 
immersed in the study of Torah and in the performance of mitzvahs like David, his ancestor. Both the written Torah and the oral tradition. And he will compel all of the Jewish people to follow in the path of Torah and mitzvahs and he will strengthen all of the breaches that are there in Torah and in Jewish life. And he will fight the wars of Hashem. The Ramam says if you see such a person, you could consider him Mashiach. He is assumed to be Mashiach. Why? Why? No miracles happened here. But these are the criteria the Rambam says. It's looking good. It looks as Mashiach. He's from base David. He's completely immersed in Torah and mitzvahs like David. He's influencing all the Jews to follow Torah and trying to fix all the breaches. And he's fighting the Melchamas Hashem, the wars on behalf of Hashem in the world. This is Becheskesh Mashiach. It's an assumption. Im what if he was successful? Till now he's doing it, but we don't know if he's successful. If he's successful. And he was triumphant over all the nations around him, which are oppressing the Jewish people. And he built the Beis HaMikdash in its place. And he gathered all of the exiles of the Jewish people. Now he's certainly Mashiach. Till that point, he was assumed to be Mashiach. You could consider him Mashiach. But he's not Mashiach Vada. Now, he did it. Now the Gula came. He was successful. He was successful in all of this. He was victorious. He built the base of Mikdash. He brought all the Jews back. He's Mashiach Bavada. If he wasn't successful till this point, Oinerege was killed. We know This is not the Mashiach that Torah promised. All the promises we discussed earlier, there was a, it's not this person. He's like all of the great kings from the house of David who were wholesome, who were kosher, tzaddikim, righteous people, but they died. Hashem brought him to the world only to try the many. The even from the wise from the wise ones, there will be those who will stumble in order to refine them to try them, to uh, crystallize them, to bring out their purity until the ultimate end of time comes because it will come in the future. Here there's an amazing piece in the Rambam that was taken out from most prints of the Rambam where there was a censorship because of the Christian censor. Many of the books that were printed in Christian Europe had to go through a censorship to make sure that there was nothing offensive to the Christian faith and religion. This is one of the pieces of Rambam that was deleted, therefore, for most of the Rambams that we got, but it remained in the manuscripts of Rambam that were published in other countries, not in Christian rule, and therefore we have it. Let's see. Af Yeshua HaNoitzri. Yeshua the Christian. Yeshua. Yoshka. Shedima Mashiach. Who imagined that he's going to be Mashiach. Venerag Bebezdin, and he was killed by the court. By Daniel. Daniel has a prophecy about him also. Daniel lived much before him. Daniel lived in the time of Nebuchadnezzar, at the end of the first Beis HaMikdash. He was one of the lads sent, taken by Nebuchadnezzar to Babylonia to serve him. So Daniel prophesies about something that's going to be a few hundred years later. Shenemar, he says, 
the vulgar ones from your nation, Yinasu, they will rise, Lahamid Chazoin, to create a vision, V'yinichshalu, and they stumbled. V'chiyesh michshal gadol mizah. Is there a greater stumbling block and failure? Shekol anavim dibru shamashiach gal Yisrael u'meshiach. U'mekabes nitcheyem. U'mechazek mitzvosam. All the prophets spoke about the fact that Mashiach is going to liberate the Jewish people, going to save them, is going to bring them all back from the scattered, from being scattered around the world. He will strengthen their mitzvahs. So he says four things. He will save the Jews. He will redeem the Jews, save them, bring them back and strengthen their mitzvahs. But this, Yoshke, Yeshu, and the Christian Christianity, it caused to destroy the Jews by sword. And to scatter all the survivors. And to humiliate them. And it caused them to change the Torah. And to cause error to most of civilization to serve a God outside of the one monotheistic Hashem through the Trinity. So this is what you call Mashiach. How much bloodshed, how much violence, how much humiliation, how much suffering the Jews endure as a result of this religion. And the Torah was changed. So this is what Daniel prophesied. Avol, the thoughts of the Creator, we don't have the capacity to understand God's plan. Our ways are not His ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. All the all these all the all the things that happened as a result of Yeshu Hanoitsri and Muhammad the Yishmaeli who came from Yishmael, who stood up after Yeshua Noitzri. Because Christianity begins the century before the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, apparently around the year zero, which is like 70 years before the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. But Islam begins in the 7th century, which is a few hundred years later. So he says, all these things that happens as a result of the emergence of the Christian faith, and then the Islamic faith, I want you to know, he says, they are all there, to create a path to Mashiach. And to fix the whole world to serve Hashem together. I will transform all the nations to have a pure language, all of them to call out in the name of Hashem and everybody serve together Hashem in unison. So we don't understand Hashem's visions and Hashem plan, Hashem's plans. And the Rambam says that means that even though at the surface Christianity and Islam were false Mashiachs and taka false Mashiachs, but you should know that ultimately God allowed it to happen to create a path and a road to Mashiach, to the Gula. Kate said, how? As a result of Yeshua Noitzri, as a result of Muhammad, and as a result of their disciples, the world became filled with the concept of Mashiach, 
with words of Torah, with words of mitzvahs. And these ideas spread to the furthest of islands and to all of the nations, even those who had plugged hearts and were steeped profoundly in barbarity and paganism. And the nations, as a result of that, began a discussion about these ideas, the tenets of Jewish faith and the oneness of the world and the mitzvahs of Torah. Some say erroneously that the mitzvahs were true. God gave them to the Jewish people. But now we have a New Testament. Now these mitzvahs are irrelevant and they're not for generations. Another group of other religions and other religions say, The mitzvahs are relevant, but they're mysteries. In other words, there are secret hints in the mitzvahs. They don't have to be understood literally. And they say, oh, Mashiach came already, and he revealed the secrets of these mitzvahs. And that's why in this religion, Christian religion, you don't have to practice 613 mitzvahs because Mashiach came and he revealed that many of the mitzvahs are not literal. They're just symbolic. They're homiletical. And therefore, you could cling to the symbol of the mitzvahs, not to the literal mitzvahs. But what happens in the process of this, the Rambam says, is history is changed. Ideas are introduced into the world. The fabric of the universe is metamorphosized, even if it's through erroneous theology, even if it's through many errors and mistakes, and even if there is much pain and suffering. And when the King Mashiach rises up in truth, meaning the true Mashiach coming with in truth, he will succeed, and be exalted, miyad. You know what will happen immediately? They all come back. And they become aware. That their forefathers, their ancestors, have bequeathed lies to them. And that their prophets and that their ancestors have caused them to err. And thus the whole world will be transformed as a result of this. And it's fascinating that the Rambam uses the words miyat. It's not going to be a long process. When the real Mashiach comes, they'll immediately be able to come back. Why? That's what the Rambam is explaining. Because essentially, all of these religions that Hashem allowed to happen throughout history already created progress. Human consciousness, human civilization evolves. It evolves to a better, better place, better values, more ethics. A greater sensitivity to the seven Noahide laws. As he said, a sensitivity to Amuna, sensitivity to Torah, to mitzvahs, to the concept of Mashiach, the concept of Gula. Yes, steeped in error, steeped in lies, steeped in deception. But the world is already more and more ready. When the real Mashiach comes, he says, the consciousness of truth will be introduced and they'll all join the oneness because this is the MS. This is the MS. They'll be ready for it. If we could put it maybe a little differently, just in different words, Maybe what the Ramam is saying, perhaps, is that all of these religions have in them sparks of truth. They all have in them sparks of Yiddishkeit, sparks of Torah and Mitzvah, especially Christianity and Islam, which today control most of humanity. I mean, about, what, 2.8 billion Christians and then 1.8 or 1.7 billion Muslims. I mean, you're talking about a, a, a tremendous amount of the world. And also many other philosophies and religions, they all have, and also Western ideas that are even not religious, all have tremendous amounts of sparks of positivity in them and truth in them, mixed with falsehood and mixed with narishkeiten. 
When Mashiach comes, the Rambam says, we're not destroying everything. We're extracting all the goodness that exists, and they're going to see that all the goodness that they have inside of them is rooted in Torah, it's rooted in Yiddishkeit. So this flame of truth will be able to ignite all of the sparks of truth embedded in every nation, every religion, and the world will be able to become one, serving one God aligned with the singular consciousness of infinity that pulsates and vibrates through every soul and through every creature. As the Rambam says from This concludes chapter 11 of Hilchis Malachim. Chapter 12 is the last chapter of the whole Rambam. And if you look in chapter 12, he starts off right away. Don't think, Don't think that in the days of Mashiach, the world system will be obliterated and there'll be a change in nature. No, the world will continue to follow its trajectory of nature. And he continues on that path in the next chapter, which we're not going to focus right now. We're going to stick now to Perikudal of chapter 11. So now we learned the Rambam. <laughs> now let's begin to try to understand the Rambam. We learned the Rambam. And I hope you got a picture of the Rambam's precision, of the Rambam's development. But this chapter in the Rambam really has within it, like every chapter of the Rambam, infinite layers of depth. Let's begin. And our focus today begins, today I think we're going to get primarily to the questions, <laughs> and most of the answers we're going to have to be deal, we're going to be dealing with next week, Bezer Hashem, next Sunday, so stay tuned. But I guess even questions in this area, you think about it, is Shangut. What we're going to be learning now is, Moving on to a very powerful shear, sicha, that was presented by the Lubavitcher Rebbe on this Perik in Rambam. The date of this was Yud Beis Tammuz, Tavshem Lamad Ches. Yud Beis Tammuz, the Lubavitcher Rebbe would always have a fabrengen then. It's the Chagagul of his father-in-law from the Stalinist, Stalinist death sentence and exile. 1927, he would always have a fabrengen, and that year it's Parshas Bullock. Parshas Bullock is the parsha of the prophecies of Bilam about Mashiach. So the Rebbe dedicated a whole long, amazing talk, Shir, to explain this Rambam. Continued it on Mitzvah Shabbos Bullock, and then continued it again, Mitzvah Parshas Bullock again, and then at the fabrengen Mitzvah Parshas Bullock a second time, and then the fourth Shir the Rebbe gave on this was Mitzvah Parshas Pinchas. A week later, explaining this Rambam. It was compiled together and published in Lakute Sichos, volume 18, Parshas Bullock. And here we have the Sicha. We're going to go through the Sicha. The first half of the Sicha is questions, and the second half is answers. Let's see all those things in the Rambam that at first glance seem so difficult and enigmatic. Now, I know some of you just want to go straight to the answer. Just give me the explanation, but I think you have to learn a Rambam well. Because it's not just understanding this Perik. It's also understanding how the Rambam thinks. It's understanding what Mashiach is. It's understanding what Gu'ul is. Understanding what we believe in. And it's also understanding how to learn. <laughs> so there's a lot to learn from the questions, not just from the answers. So let's begin. So for this, go to your source sheets. If you didn't open your source sheets, please go to theyeshiva.net. T-H-E-Y-E-S-H-I-V-A.net. Share on the top, you'll see. 
What is Mashiach part one? The, what is Mashiach the view of the Ram? On top, you can see view source sheets, or on the bottom, you can download the source sheets below the video. We're going to the source sheets. Please go to page seven. Aleph. Kosav Harambam Malachim. He goes through now the whole first halacha of Rambam. I'm not going to read it inside because we just learned it inside. The proofs from Parshas Nitzavim and from Parshas Bilam. Second paragraph. The Sefer Mishnah Torah of the Rambam is a Sefer of halacha. That's what the Rambam clearly says in his introduction at the end. That Sefer Hayad is Sefer Halachis Halachis. It's not a Sefer that's dedicated to explain Psukim of Torah. That's a different genre. Whenever you learn a Sefer, you have to open up the title page and see the genre of the Sefer. There's Kabbalah and there's Chassidus. There's Musr and there's Machshava. There's Philosophy and there's Drush. There's Halacha and there's Agada. There's Mepharshim and Tamach. What's the genre of Mishnah Torah? Halacha. Jewish law. All of Halacha. Halachas of Mashiach, halachas of the past, halachas that are relevant now that are not. But it's not a safer of expounding and explaining psukim in Chumash or in Tanakh. If so, we have a question. What's the Rambam trying to tell us? The Rambam said a halach. If you don't believe in Mashiach, you're denying not only the Nevi'im, but also Torah and Moshe Rabbeinu. And he said, and I'll tell you why, because the Torah testifies about Mashiach's coming. Then the Rambam wants to bring a second proof. Now, in parentheses, you might ask, why do we need a second proof? Good question. Good question. But the Rambam wants to bring a second proof. So what should he say? He should say, also in the portion of Bilam, you have a prophecy about Mashiach. Now you might say, that's not enough. We're. Well, look. Open up Balak and you'll see. Bilam says, I want to tell you what's going to happen. What's going to happen in the end of days. And that's when he begins the prophecy about Mashiach. Why does the Rambam feel compelled to get into the details of the proofs of the Psukim in Balak, and not only quote the psukim, but he gets involved, that is talking about two Mashiachs, and he even tells you which part of the Pesach is talking about David, which part of the Pesach is talking about Mashiach, you just want to say that the Torah speaks about the Gula? Even if the Rambam doesn't want to rely on my thorough learning and figuring out which psukim are about Mashiach, okay, he wants to tell me, just like in the beginning he said, Veshav Hashem Alekech he wants to say, no problem, the Rambam could say, after Parshas Bilam, Niba, in Parshas Bilam, you have a Navua in the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu about Mashiach. And you could say, Arenu You want to say the next passage, But the Rambam doesn't do that. And we could see, when you learn the Rambam, you could see that there's something happening, and there's something cooking here. 
This is not what the Rambam does. You could learn through the whole Mishnah Torah. You don't see these things. The Rambam doesn't start getting into psukim and explaining unless there's a special halacha here that he's teaching, which we're soon going to see what that halacha is. The Rambam sometimes brings sources. Sometimes he usually doesn't bring sources. He'll often bring a pasuk, and that's it. But here, he's really getting into the nitty-gritty of these psukim. Why? So let's continue the question. Next sif. Let's go back a step. What was wrong with the first proof? He said the Torah testifies. So the Rambam says, no, I'm going to bring you another proof. It seems like what was bothering him, that the Psukim from Bilam, the Rambam is bringing not just as a proof that there's going to be a concept of Geula. That we already have. He wants to tell me that there's a prophecy about two Mashiachs. Ah, that I don't have from Now I understand why he specifies the Psukim. Because he wants to prove that there's two Mashiachs. There's a first and there's a second. That's why he brings Bilam. Not just to tell me there's going to be a Geula that I already know. He wants to tell me this is a Geula that's a second Mashiach. There's a first one. Now he has to tell me. What do you mean the first one? Where's the first? Where's the second? So now he has to explain because it's a Psachidish. But one second. Nice. But this only begs the explanation. I understand why the Rambam was not satisfied with his first proof. Because in the first passage, there's no mention that there's going to be Mashiach. It says Hashem is going to return your captivity. So I have to believe in Geula. I don't have to believe in Mashiach. In fact, there was an opinion in Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin Sadiq Tess. Hillel said, A Mashiach li Yisrael. <laughs> I could believe in Geula. I don't have to believe in Mashiach. So the Rambam says, no. I want to bring you a second proof where the Torah speaks about Melech HaMashiach. V'kom shevet mi Yisrael. Etc. I got it. So the Rambam is not content with his first proof. He wants a second proof. Beautiful. The first proof teaches me there'll be Geula. Doesn't teach me there's going to be a leader who will usher in Geula. Beautiful. But now I ask you a question. Why is it relevant here in Rambam to prove to me that the Torah speaks about not only Mashiach but also about David? Where does that come into the picture? It's beautiful ideas. What does it have to do here? We're talking about the Amune Mashiach, that it's part of Torah. So I understand that Amune Mashiach is part of Torah. But why are you bringing in here that Bilam also spoke about David? And it's not enough. May live the Rambam would say. 
Bilam spoke about Mashiach. He also spoke about the first Mashiach. Okay, still not, not Geshmak. But then the Rambam starts telling me, come, let's learn Chumash together. And he starts going through all the Psukim. He goes through four Nevuas, goes through every language, and now splits it and says, by the way, this is David, this is Mashiach, this is David, Mashiach, this is David, this is Mashiach, Dorach Koich of David, come Shevet Mashiach, Machatz Pasi David, Kaikal Kupnei Shezir Mashiach, Moyav is David, Literally every single one of these psukim he goes through and he splits up between the two. Why? Something is bothering him. What, what's the Rambam telling me here? So Siv Gimel, I'm going to say Siv Gimel by heart, you could say that maybe the Rambam wants to tell us something here. By the Rambam telling me that Bilam speaks about two Mashiachs, and he says specifically that David is called Mashiach, Shnei why is that relevant? Maybe because this could strengthen Aramuna in Mashiach. When we know that Mashiach is not something new, there was already a first Mashiach who saved the Jewish people, it empowers us to believe that this will happen in the future as well. Similar to what the Gemara says in Sanhedrin Sadiq Aleph. There was a heretic who asked Gviya ben Psisa, how could you believe in resurrection of the dead? It's ridiculous. So he says, Somebody who was never alive could be born. That you could believe in. And somebody who was alive could come back to life you can't believe in. Coming back to life after death is far smaller miracle than the emergence of the first child, or to put it in contemporary language, the emergence of the first cell with DNA is far, far greater a feat than a miracle than the resurrection of a person. If it was already, a person was alive already, it's a whole different story. Or you could say it a little differently. Rabbi Kiva says at the end of Marcus, when I see that the first prophecy of Golis was fulfilled, I know that the last prophecy of Gula is going to be fulfilled. When I see that Zion was plowed like a field and this fax is coming out of Kodesh HaKadoshim, story in the Gemara at the end of Makkas, I know that one day there will be and they told him, In other words, when you see that part of the prophecy was fulfilled, it empowers you to believe in the second half of the prophecy. Maybe that's what the Rambam is trying to tell us. The Rambam is saying, I want you to know that Mashiach is not just something for the future. The same Nevuah that speaks about Mashiach also speaks about Dovod HaMalach, and that happened, and it happened successfully. It wasn't the ultimate Gula, but it was certainly a significant stage of Gula. It didn't work out for eternity, but it already happened. This gives us more hope. That's an interesting answer to explain the Rambam, but it's difficult to say that all this explains why the Rambam puts it in. Why? Because when you read the Rambam, it's clear that with these psukim, he's not trying to prove to us that Mashiach is going to come. He's trying to prove to us that the coming of Mashiach is a prophecy that's recorded in Torah. The Rambam has no doubt, you believe the Nevi'im, you believe Hashem Hashem Alekecha The Rambam is not trying to say, by the way, guys, I want to convince you that you could believe in Mashiach. When you read his language, what he's trying to say here is, you're not only denying the Nevi'im if you deny Mashiach, you're denying the Torah and Moshe Rabbeinu. I want to show you that Bias HaMashiach is recorded in Hamishah Chum Torah. And therefore, if I don't believe it, I'm not just denying the Nevi'im, I'm denying Torah and Moshe Rabbeinu. If that's the case, I don't have to know about two Mashiach. I don't have to know about what David did. 
I don't have to go through all the four languages in these psukim and tell me that the first half is talking about Dovin and the second half is talking about Mashiach. All I need to know is that in Parshas Bilam, the Torah prophesies about Mashiach, and if you want to tell me which psukim, tell me which psukim. We come to the next question. Sivdalit. I already, I already discussed the question of Sivdalit. Let me remind you. You remember the structure of the Rambam? Let's see. Sivdalit. What did the Rambam say in Halacha Aleph? He proved from two places in Torah that the Torah speaks about the Gula. Parshas Nitzavim v'sham v'sham alakecha shvuscha, Parshas Bilam, Ashirenu, Erenu v'layat Ashirenu v'laykarav. In Halacha Beis, he says, Af ba'ari mikla to Oimer. In Ari mikla, there's also a source for Mashiach, because Hashem says, when I'm going to expand your borders... You should make another three Ari Miklot. And Hashem doesn't make a mitzvah in vain. And the obvious question the Lubavitcher Rebbe asks here, a Gavaldika question. I don't understand. What's the question? The Rambam's division in halacha is always meticulous. If he puts some things in one halacha and others in a separate halacha, it's precise. So I don't understand. In halacha Aleph, he brings two proofs from Torah. In halacha Beis, he brings a third proof. Either bring them all in one halacha or separate them into three halachas. In the first halacha, you bring the proof from Veshav Hashem and from Bilam. So why don't you put in over there the third proof from Ari Miklat? So you're going to tell me, no, because Ari Miklat is a separate raya from a separate parsha. Very nice. So then parsha's Bilam should also have a separate halacha. One halacha v'shav Hashem alakecha. Halacha beis, af b'parshas bilam. Halacha gimel, af barimiklot. Beautiful. He doesn't do that. The first two proofs get inserted into one halacha. The last proof gets a separate halacha. So you have to say that it's a different type of proof. The first two belong in one halacha, second different halacha. Again, what is the Rebbe trying to say? And he asks another question to Rebbe. By bilam, he says, af b'parshas bilam. What should he say here? Af He says, Af Miklat. Now by the Rambam, these things are meticulous. When you brought the proof, the first time around, he didn't say which parsha. He says, Go figure it out. You're supposed to know parshas Nitzavim by the time you're learning Rambam. You learn Rambam after you learn Chamesh Chumshatayr. I don't have to tell you which pasuk. By Bilam already, he's assuming that I'm an ignoramus. He says, Afba Parsha's Bilam. Parsha of Bilam. The third one, he doesn't even say Parsha. Afba Ari Miklat. By Ari Miklat. Why does he say Afba Parsha Shaiftim? And the real question is, Ari Miklat is three times in Chumash. You have Ari Miklat in Parsha's Masay. You have Ari Miklat in Parsha's Veschanan. You have Ari Miklat in Parsha's Shaiftim. So when he says Afba Ari Miklat, you don't even know which one. Even if he would have said Parshas Ari Mikla, he could have just said Parshas Shreftim. Like he said, Parshas Bilam. Parshas Bilam is very clear. There's only one Parsh in the Torah we have about Bilam and his prophecies. Parshas Balak, Parshas Bilam. Gvaldika question. Hey, Gam Tzorich Lohavin Diyu Kaloshin B'Shnei HaMashichim. Mazin Negele Kanomet Davkirak Dovid Nekri Mashiach. Interesting question. How you have to learn the Rambam. Every word is precise. The Rambam says, Av Parshas Bilam Nemar Vishom Nibo Interesting expression. Bilam prophesied about two Mashiachs. 
What does the Rambam mean by this language? Why does he decide to call them Shnei Meshichim, two Mashiachs? Why is that relevant here? And why did David get this name? You'll say David was Mashiach, he was anointed way. David was anointed with the anointing oil of Moshe Rabbeinu, and he's called in Tanakh Mashiach Hashem. His predecessor, Shaul, was also anointed. Yes, David with a horn, Shaul with a jug. The whole Sugi Megillah Daf Yodala, the prophecy of Chana, the difference of Shaul and David, it's not for now. But they were both anointed. They're both called Mashiach Hashem. In the footnotes, he goes through all the psukim. Take a look in footnote 24, 25, 26, 27. Shaul is also called Mashiach. So the first question is, why is it relevant here to call David Mashiach? You could say, he spoke about two leaders. The first one is David and the second one is Mashiach. And also, why does David get this name? Nobody else is called Mashiach besides Mashiach. Maybe you could say that what the Rambam is trying to do is He's trying to distinguish the two people who helped the Jewish people. There's two figures among the Jewish people who saved us. So that's why he gives it an expression like, because he wants to talk about the first one and the second one, the last one and the first one. But one second. If you have to choose two figures who saved the Jewish people in history, who should you choose? If you have to choose the two people who saved the Jewish people, a much better choice would seem to be Moshe Rabbeinu and Mashiach. Moshe took them out of Golos. Mashiach will take them out of Golos. Moshe took them out of the first Golos. Mashiach will take them out of the last Golos. Moshe was their first redeemer. Mashiach was the last redeemer. In fact, the Medrash says, Moshe is Goyal Rishon. Mashiach is Goyal Acheron. Not David. David never took the Jews out of exile. David was a great man. David was a king. David began the preparations to build the Beis Hamikdash. David defeated the enemies. David gave them prosperity and peace. David united the nation. He didn't take them out of exile. They were living in Eretz Yisrael for a few hundred years already. For 400 years they were living in Eretz Yisrael. So if we wanted to figure the two leaders who saved the Jewish people would be more Moshe and David. And furthermore, Even in terms of spiritual status, the Rambam says that Mashiach is greater than all of the prophets. Look in 29, his famous letter, Igeris Teman. The Rambam says Mashiach will be a great prophet, greater than all the prophets after Moshe Rabbeinu. After Moshe is the greatest. And in Sefer Hayad, in Hilchus Tshuva Pedic Test, the Rambam writes, Mashiach is going to be a great Navi close to Moshe. We don't say that about David. Was David a Navi? The Gemara says in Megillah Yudala that David was a Navi. In Zohar, it says David had Ruach HaKadosh, not Nevuah. In footnote 31, he goes through all of the seemingly apparent contradictions if David was a Navi or David had Ruach HaKadosh. A very intense debate with a lot of different sources beyond the scope of this year. But certainly not the level of Mashiach and Moshe Rabbeinu. Mashiach was close to Moshe Rabbeinu and Avuah. Yet the Rambam here, on his own, creates a new phraseology. The Shnei Mashiachim, David and Melech HaMashiach. And why is that even relevant to pick a name and such a dramatic name? 
Vav, we have to now introduce a new question. And I already asked this question. It should have, you should have asked it when we learned the Rambam. What's this question? What happens in Halacha Gimel? Very strange. Halacha Gimel is, the, what happens in Halacha Gimel? The Rambam says, don't think Mashiach has to make miracles. Don't think he has to resurrect dead people. Why? Learn from Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva is our authority. Rabbi Akiva believed Ben Kaichu was Mashiach. It, he turned out not to be Mashiach. By the way, the Rambam doesn't say that Rabbi Akiva made an error. Because if you say Rabbi Akiva made an error, then there's no proof from Rabbi Akiva. <laughs> you could say Mashiach has to do miracles. Rabbi Akiva made an error. The Rambam believes Rabbi Akiva didn't make an error. In other words, according to Torah, Rabbi Akiva had the halachic right to assume that Ben Koycho was Mashiach. There were sins. It didn't turn out that way. He was killed. Like the Rambam says later, there could be somebody who's assumed to be Mashiach, but he's killed. And then you know that he's not that one. He's a fine king. So the Rambam obviously holds we could rely on Rabbi Akiva when we want to authenticate the criteria that defines Mashiach. And it's not miracles. Because if it would have been miracles, Ben Koychva should have been <laughs> brought to the Chacham and say, let's see the miracles. We don't have any record of that. There were no miracles. He was a natural great warrior, certainly a courageous man. They never asked for a miracle. The Chacham and Chazal record the relationship with him. It's not one of the issues. Interesting proof, fascinating proof from the Rambam. But then the Rambam, right after that, adds this whole piece and I'm now reading the end of the next, the next, the next, Se'ivvav in the Sicha. Ve'ikir hadvarim kachahin. We're now on page 11 in the source sheets. Ve'ikir hadvarim kachahin. Sha'atoyra zayizchukel mishpatel lo'ilam le'am lo'am me'misif le'am The main thing you have to remember is that Torah is eternal. There's no change in Torah. Now there's a bracket in some prints of the Rambam. Not all. In some prints, you have this. Somebody who adds to Torah, somebody who takes away from the mitzvahs of Torah, somebody who takes out the mitzvahs from their literal interpretation, he is lying, he's a rush, and he's a heretic. It sounds like from the Rambam, if you say that Mashiach has to make miracles, you're adding a mitzvah, or you're taking away from the mitzvahs. You're altering the truth of Torah. You're saying that Torah is not applicable. Why? What's the big deal? Let's say I believe Mashiach has to make miracles. And then I'm going to know that he was sent by God. If he splits the sea or he resurrects the dead. Okay, maybe I'm making a mistake. Where am I adding to Torah? Where am I taking away from Torah? It sounds like the Rambam, something is strange. Something is missing. some missing link. The Rambam says, we don't have to make miracles. He proves Rebekah. And the main thing to remember is that nobody can change the mitzvahs of the Torah. I'm not changing. Who's talking about that? Of course nobody can change the mitzvahs of the Torah. That I've already spoke about in Hilchis Yisraeli Torah. Look at Pedic Zion, Pedic Ches, Pedic Tes. A whole thing. It's one of the 13 principles of faith that Torah is Nitzchi. Torah is Nitzchis. Torah is eternal. Nobody can add or take away from mitzvahs of Torah. It's one of the main proofs that the Rambam says here that Christianity is false. They changed the Torah. 
Somebody who changes even one word, one mitzvah of the Torah, we know it's not true because the Torah itself says, Haniglis lanu levanenu ad oilam The Rambam himself explains the Torah at length. Geshmak, but what's the connection here? You don't believe that, you don't have to believe the Mashiach has to make miracles. Prove from Rabbi Akiv. We're done. We proved it. Rambam says, no, you have to understand that nobody can change the mitzvahs of Torah. Where am I changing the mitzvahs of Torah if I say that Mashiach has to make a miracle? Where am I changing? I'm not saying to take away a mitzvah. I'm not saying to add a mitzvah. I'm not making Shabbos Sunday. I'm not saying to stop putting on tefillin. All I'm saying is I want a miracle, okay? You want, you don't want, maybe you're wrong. It seems like there's a connection here. What's the connection? That if I say Mashiach has to make a miracle, somehow I'm not believing in the viability or eternity of Torah. All this is leading us to a whole deeper and new understanding in Rambam. The question is much more the Rebbe says. What about a Novi? Forget Mashiach. Go back to Hilchis Yisoydiya Torah. The Rambam says himself in Hilchis Yisoydiya Torah, Perek Yud, that a Novi, a prophet, who comes to the Jewish people and says, God sent me. He doesn't have to split the sea. He doesn't have to make a miracle like Moshe made or Eliyahu made or Elisha made. He doesn't have to defy nature, but he has to predict the future. He has to say something that's going to happen. Obviously something that we don't know for sure it's going to happen. He says the sun rises tomorrow morning. He's not a prophet. He has to say something is going to happen. And it happens. And then we can trust him. Of course, if he follows and he has the other criteria that we have for a prophet, which is which the Rambam discusses in the beginning of his book. But he has to predict the future. And the Rambam discusses this at length. He goes through the whole quote. What would you expect after that? The Rambam should say, but he doesn't have to change the world, or the nature, as the Rambam says there. And then he should have added what he adds here, that the Torah's laws don't change. He doesn't say that there. He says the same thing that he says there, here, that a Navi does not have to split the sea, does not have to defy nature. But he doesn't add over there in Hilchis, he said, what he adds here, by the Torah's mitzvahs are eternal and unchangeable. He doesn't say that. But over there he does add that the Navi has to do a miracle in the terms of predicting the future. By Mashiach, that's not a criteria. Interesting. Mashiach doesn't have to make miracles, a Navi doesn't have to make miracles. A Navi has to predict the future. Mashiach doesn't have to. Doesn't have to predict. It doesn't say that. No conditions. You don't have to predict the future. You don't have to change the laws of nature. There's another few big questions here. <laughs> another few big questions. We're going to have to leave them for next week. But all of this already points us to the beginning of understanding what the Rambam is teaching us about Mashiach. The Rambam is teaching us about Mashiach, not that Mashiach is not just a reward. Mashiach is not just a good time that God wants us all to enjoy. That's all amazing and true and authentic, but that's not really what Mashiach is. What the Rambam here is teaching us here is that Mashiach essentially represents the truth of Torah. Mashiach is a manifestation of the truth that Torah is real, that God is real. That's Mashiach. That the world was created for a purpose. That purpose is articulated in Torah. 
And that purpose is real. And because it's real, it's going to be realized in the real world. That's Gula. So belief in Mashiach is not just belief in a future beautiful thing that's going to happen. Belief in Mashiach essentially happens every time I do a mitzvah, every time I live according to God's purpose, that's belief in Mashiach, as we will see. And with this, the Rambam revolutionizes what it means to understand, what is Mashiach, what is the belief in Mashiach, as we will explain, Bezer Hashem, next week, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Hope to see you either on Zoom or on theyeshiva.net. Let's take a few questions. We have a few minutes, so we'll take a few questions. Let's see on the chats here. Okay, I'll go to, I'll take the questions from the yeshiva.net. I see quite a few questions. The questions today have to be questions on questions, of course, right? I know some of you wanted to get to the answer, but I told you it's important to go through the questions. So we're going to continue this shear next Sunday. Let me just announce that tomorrow morning, 7.30 a.m., we're going to start a new mimer from the Balhatanya to prepare us for Shavuos. Very powerful mimer. That's going to be Monday, 7.30 a.m. You could watch it on theyeshiva.net, 7.30 a.m. New York time. Tuesday morning, we have our weekly class, 9.45 a.m. on the relevance of the Parsha. Tuesday, 2 o'clock p.m., we have a lecture to the South African community about faith in times of crisis. You can watch it right here on theyeshiva.net. We're also starting on Tuesday a new shir in Toymer Dvaira by Reb Moshe Cordovero, one of the greatest books of Musser and Ethics about how to treat each other, time of Jewish unity. You can watch it also on the yeshiva.net. Thursday morning, 7.30, we have again our Balatanya shir. Everybody's invited. This class, Rambam Hilchas Malachim, what is Mashiach? The Rambam's view, part two. See you next Sunday, 10 a.m. And I hope it'll already be after the coming of Mashiach. So Mela, I won't have to give the shir because Mashiach will be a Mashiach who will teach Torah to the whole world, to the whole nation. We'll certainly be able to explain the Rambam much better than I'll be able to explain the Rambam, but hope to see you, hope to see you very soon, Hatzlach. Okay, question. Why can't you say Rabbi Akiva made a mistake? He was a human being. Human beings could make mistakes. Okay, excellent question. And the answer to this is, a person could make a mistake. But if Rabbi Akiva was the ultimate authority on halacha, and he and all of his sages agreed to this, we trust them. Because Rabbi Akiva was the greatest sage of his generation. He certainly knew all the halachas, including the halachas of Mashiach. He should have said, Ben Kaichva, make a miracle. And not just him. All of his colleagues, as the Rambam says, that we can trust. That we can trust. And it happened. And he was there for a few years. It wasn't like, you know, there was a back and forth. And they said, oh, maybe there's one way of looking at it. For many years, they believed that he's, for a few years, they believed that Kaich was Mashiach. So the Rambam proves from this that Mashiach doesn't have to make a miracle. Again, a person is a person. But when you're talking about, if, if, you're, if I will ask Rabbi Akiva, can I do this on Shabbos? And Rabbi Akiva would tell me the halach is, you could do this on Shabbos, or you can do this on Shabbos. Who am I going to trust if not Rabbi Akiva? This is how the Messiah of Torah comes. The sages who are completely dedicated to Torah, the embodiment of study of Torah, dedication to Torah, sometimes they'll have debates, so you follow the majority. But this is what the majority held. Next question. Oh, a lot of questions. 
Okay, I see a tremendous amount of questions and comments on the yeshiva.net. I see 14 questions. Let me just do a few. You say that nobody, not even the king, is above the law. Nobody, even the king, is above the law. Okay, that's true. That's why Nassim could speak up to David. Like the rest of Mishnah Torah, it's an organized, categorized series of laws extracted from the Talmud. This principle is from Torah Shabalpah. After thousands of years, many heads decapitated French and American revolutions to adopt the basic principles to the rest of the world, at least a part of the world. Even today, despots rule and are above the law in their countries. Yes, but in Halacha, a king is not above the law. That's a fact. You speak about Ari Miklat. Later they're going to add three cities. But after Yeshua, didn't they do that? No, they added another three, but not the three of the Torah. The three additional cities of Yefriz, which didn't happen, shows that Mashiach will come so that we could do this mitzvah. What about the Ben Sayyidah Hashem says, if there's going to be a Ben Sayyidah this is what you should do. But that's also a theoretical mitzvah, because the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, at least according to some opinions, the Ben Sayyidah didn't happen. What about Ir HaNidachas? Ooh, good questions. It's a good, good question. We're going to get to it. There's another sikh of the Rebbe that we're going to be learning in Hilchas Malachim that addresses this. Perhaps one basic thing is, Vimyarchev Hashem Alekechas Gvulcha may be interpreted by the Rambam when God will expand your borders. Not if he will expand your borders. That's possible, but we're going to get to this. Why the Rambam says it's in vain. Maybe Hashem gave us a mitzvah that's just theoretical. If your borders expand, you'll add these mitzvahs, but maybe your borders will never expand, and you won't do this, and therefore there's no proof of Mashiach's coming from that pasuk. That's what you're asking. There's a mitzvah here that's in vain. Maybe it's a mitzvah in vain. Maybe it's a mitzvah in vain to add cities that will never happen. It's just completely theoretical. Unless you translate v'im yarchiv when he will when he will expand your borders. Next question. They say that Christianity is Judaism 2.0, Islam is Judaism 3.0, because it's basically monotheistic, but there's a partnership called the Trinity and so forth. But I see the Rambam has a different, a different opinion, but he says that they do hasten Mashiach. Well, you do have to understand, as the Rambam says, that Christianity and Islam were the antithesis to Mashiach. If Mashiach is the idea to bring world peace, and to give the Jewish people and all good people protection, and to strengthen Torah and mitzvahs. How many Jews and innocent people died at the hands of Christian zealots and at the hands of Islamists until this very day? Do I have to explain this to you? So the Rambam says, if this is Mashiach, woe to my Mashiach. So why would God allow this? So the Rambam says, but there's a deeper purpose here. Despite the mistake and despite the suffering, ultimately they all pave the path to the Geula, even if it's a winding path, even if it's a complicated path, even if it's a tragic path, but they all pave the path to the Geula. I have to listen to this class again. There's so much to understand and to process, but I think I understood some of it. Okay, thank you. Which year did the Rebbe say the Sicha? 1978. Summer Tov published in volume 18 of Lukote Sichas, and now they published it anew with, with translations and so forth. You say the Rambam doesn't dissect psukim that are the proof texts for the halachas, except for those psukim about Mashiach where he gets so detailed. And he wants us to know about two Mashiachs. Why only here? Why only about Mashiach? 
Are we all obsessed with Mashiach? Is he obsessed? It's a great question. That's the question the Ramam is trying to teach us here. The Ramam is trying to teach us something here, and that's what we want to understand. Okay, I see there's a lot more questions, but this will be enough for today. I reached my limit. I wish you all an amazing day, a beautiful day. It's a very difficult week for the Jewish people, and our hearts are bleeding because of the tragedy in Iran. It's it's tough. It's not easy. And a lot of funerals on Friday, funerals today. This is a time that uh, there's not many words to contain the pain and not many words, no words to contain the pain, no words to explain or rationalize, but it's a time for deep unity and deep connection and deep tshuva and deep awakening and deep, deep fortitude and resilience and faith, not one that we can explain with words, but it's a silence that is transcendent. It's a silence that allows us to hold on to each other and to hold on to God and to hold on to the Jewish people, even when we don't understand. And uh, may God give strength and comfort to the Jewish people, to Eretz Yisrael, to our people in Eretz Yisrael, and especially to all the families in Israel and around the world, including some who live not far from here. And give them the strength and the comfort during these devastating, devastating days and hours. And we should experience the ultimate Yeshua, the ultimate Geula, the ultimate end to all of this devastation and all the suffering. And I think when, you know, we learn about Geula, we learn about Mashiach, we open ourselves up to its reality. The Lubavitcher Rebbe, and before him, many of the G'dayli Yisrael, beginning with the Chafetz Chaim and many, many others, Rebbe Chanavasim, and this is even before the war, urged the Jewish people to learn about Geula, to learn about Mashiach, to learn the halachas of Mashiach in Rambam and other places, especially in our times and in our generation. And part of this is, a major part of this is, not just to know what it is. When you know what it is, you start being in it. You live with it. You breathe it. It becomes part of your reality. It becomes part of your agenda. It becomes part of your paradigm. And we're soon going to see how the Rambam learns Mashiach. The whole Yiddishkeit is really connected to Mashiach. So that itself opens up our eyes to experience the energy of Gula, the energy of Mashiach. Because there's the part of Mashiach that comes from Hashem. And then there's the part of Mashiach that you and I must do. That's a big focus in the Rambam that we're going to see. And part of that is that you and I open ourselves up to already live in this reality of oneness, of love, of connection, of faith, of deep, deep unity, of understanding that we are all connected and each of us is an ambassador of love and light and hope and infinity in this world. We see with our eyes. Thank you. Have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.